Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Today, we return to the Marvel Cinematic Universe with Mr. Doctor, so stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't get that reference, you have no business watching this Anatomy of a Movie because you should definitely... I usually say that we're very spoiler-filled. We assume that you've seen the movie... But we warn you, so if you didn't see the movie, you can stick around. I suggest to you, in fact, I implore you, if you haven't seen the movie and you're watching us, go see the movie first. Yeah. You have no business watching this right now. And go see it in in 3D IMAX or premium large format screen. There's no way to, like, save and then watch this and get spoiled and then revert back to your save to watch this and get spoiled again. Unless you have a time loop. Unless you have a time loop. Yeah. That's true, too. That's right. You have, like, a cool, like, little archaic Fitbit that lets you turn back time. That's right. So why don't we take a step back. Um, Anatomy of a movie, ladies and gentlemen, for (laughs) Doctor Strange, the 14th Marvel movie with Dimitri Panos. Hello, movie fans. And Stephen Lemieux. Yay. He's uh, he's filling out for uh, that Zach Wilson, who is going to be here shortly, who, of course, produces Marvel Movie News here on Popcorn Talk Network. But nonetheless, um, Stephen is just as... Just as equipped. I'm to soon talk to be about. replaced. Yes. He has his own sling ring. I'm the uh, I'm the student who is too egotistical that they replace with Zach as Doctor Strange. That's right. Well, why don't we get your thoughts then um, on the movie? I thought it was great. I thought uh, they they really just let the special effects people go wild, and I think that's what they needed to do because if they tried to tone it back a bit for the sake of like, oh, the audience might get a little too queasy or oh this, like then it wouldn't have seemed real enough. Um just in the in the in the fact of like this is all about universal bending. This is all about being able to change the the physics of time and space. So the way they did that with the kind of Fibonacci spiral loop within all things was really enjoyable. The the first sequence where he like jumps through and you see Mordu and you see um the, the hands coming out of hands coming out of hands. Like, when that ended, I was just like, whew. Like, it was like, oh, that was a thing right there. So, I mean, they, they did a great job. I'd say, like, the, the pacing was a little weird at times. Like, for some reason, it just felt like he went from being completely inept in the, in the arcane arts to being an expert like that. Like, the fact that he went from, like, okay, he can make a bounce, bounce hole to jump with his loop ring... Uh, to already having like his string weapon that he can whip and fling around like that super easily. I don't know. There was some weird pacing er- uh, pacing issues with him coming into his own with his powers. But, I mean, once you get past that, the movie's great. I mean, it's really enjoyable. There's not really anything I'd point out that I'm like, I hated that. So, right. Dimitri? You know, for me, it's another fine chapter in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Um, I think it's a trippy, fun adventure that truly did look stunningly amazing in IMAX 3D. Uh, and while the movie is, it's literally two hours of setup and exposition, because we gotta, we gotta, we gotta teach this audience the rules of this universe, and they're a little bit more eccentric, a little more intricate than other Marvel. Like it's not just introducing a hero and what said hero stands for. This is setting up a whole spell-casting, mind-bending, twisty kind of thing that you have to prime audiences for. And they have to, and you have to do it so that they understand 
and don't give up on the on, on the process. So I thought they did a really good job. I felt really primed of the rules of that universe. And I thought Cumberpatch was really good. Really nitpick wise, I felt his accent at times seemed a little Fake. forced, uncomfortable. Yeah. Um I'll tell you, for me, the standout for me was Tilda Swinton. I felt that her her nuanced performance really stood out. And being this fall, like, we have seen a steady stream of, I, I think it's fair to say, stolid sequels. To see Doctor Strange was refreshing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I, I had a really fun time watching watching this movie good times i overall enjoyed it um this is no fault of the movies but i I, even though it was different i felt like i'd seen it before Mm -hmm. i've watched too many matrixes and inceptions and 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 whatnot um and so the new thing that this brought was the 3d aspect of and i thought that could have been enough perhaps where i would have been like oh this is so new and so cool but i'd just seen it and so um i really had to hang my hat more on the story part of it um, which I thought was great uh, overall. Uh, a couple of issues. I, to your point, uh, I thought Tilda Swinton, uh, t- um, Tilda did an amazing job in terms of the jovialness mm-hmm. of the character. Um, too many times we've seen like the like, like take like a Morpheus too serious for oh, his yeah, own yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good um, point. It's, yeah, it's yeah. a good point. Um, so I thought that worked really well. Um, the comedy didn't quite work for me from his perspective. I thought he was just fishing for certain items, you know, especially like uh, Benedict Cumberbatch versus Robert Downey Jr. He, he, Robert Downey Jr. is so charismatic, and perhaps it's because we've seen Benedict um, in way more dramatic roles and not have that side of it, so it was a little off-putting. But other than that, uh, I, I, I thought I thought it was good. Um, I actually, to your point, Stephen, I didn't mind the pacing only because I felt like because it is another origin story, we know what has to happen. And so let's just kind of put it in but not spend too much time on it and let's get through it. Yeah. What, to, to, to argue that, though, like, I would have liked a little bit better to build up for the ending, though. Because as you guys are watching this, you've seen the movie, the ending just seemed a little too easy. And not in that it was, like, too easy in the fact that he's dying over and over again. It's that it, was, it seemingly didn't wear on him at all. That he was killed over and over again. And they give no sense of time. I know you're in the dark dimension, so there's no sense of time. But, like, it it felt like it was super easy for Benedict, for Doctor Strange to die over and over again. Like, you don't get a number count of how many times he died. Like, I would have liked something to show, like, that maybe he was doing that for, like, 150 years or 200 years within the dark dimension, dying over and over again until Mordu or Mordadu, whatever, what was it? Dormammu. Dormammu makes the deal with him. Like, I would have liked to see some form of wear and tear on Doctor Strange as well. Because it just seemed like, oh, going to die again. Oh, going to die again. Oh, going to die again. Like, you're being impaled. You still have memories of every time you die. Like, I feel like... I don't know. That was the ending was too easy. Yeah, I mean, I, my only argument to that is that they purposely left. I know that they purposely left that amb- ambiguous, and that's fine with me. I want to bring up to your point. Yes, this movie was definitely Inception on steroids. In fact, at the end credits, I, it would have been nice to have seen you know, and a great thank you to Christopher Nolan for developing you know this <laughs> gimbal and this you know it was, but there was a little bit of two thousand and one in there. I mean, that magical mystery. Tour <laughs> yeah. that 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 he took 
was insane. Oh, it my God. So, but it looked so awesome. I didn't care what the hell was going on. Oh, it's like, this is just amazing. Like, it just looked, it looked solid. So if you're going to take from Inception, I mean, they made it bigger, better. Yes, I've seen it before, but they at least made it interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt that the pacing was fine because they did make it a point to say for Doctor Strange, you know, how did you give it, how did you become a surgeon? This is what the, 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 the ancient one asks, and he's like, through a lot of practice and whatever. So she's like, okay, well, the same rules apply here. And once he got that, he re- he literally did. That's all he did was study spells to the point where he was going above and beyond. Like, he was, in a sense, he's like Hermione and like Harry Potter. Like, she just knew. She studied spells, spells, spells. And you can tell, like, he was crafting his spells. He was practicing. He was reading books upon spells. Whatever information he can get in the um, the Infinity Stone. I forget what that's called. The right Eye now. of Agamotto. The, the, the Eye of Agamotto. Thank you very much. Like, for him to start, like, the scene with the apple, when he's figuring out what this does. I mean, that scene was awesome, too. So when it brings it to the end... It's like if you're in that constant time loop, he's just going to bounce back and be what he was 10 minutes previous. I It didn't bother. I just got the sense that it was a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Like he had to wear that villain down to but the point that, where the villain got frustrated. That's what I'm saying, though, is he had to wear that villain down. But how would it not wear him down? How is it wearing the villain down to just snap his it, fingers and kill him over and over again when Doctor Strange is experiencing that pain the villain would have tortured him it, to death millions it, it of times it wasn't like a it, physical wearing down it was a mental like wearing down like the villain was clearly going Jesus are you going to continue to do this it's like yeah no, I, I can do this all day I know <laughs> but I just feel like there could have been more mentally wearing down on Doctor Strange's behalf as well um, another one of the other things I felt it would have been better if they had had him use like, tie Doctor Strange into Dormammu a little bit in a different way. Like, it would make sense if he was better at doing all these powers and being very proficient at it if he had taken advantage of some of that time magic that is fueled by the Dark Dimension Mm -hmm. to spend, like, hey, within one day, 24-hour period in the real world, he had accessed the timelessness of the Dark Dimension to study all of the magic and learn it all with maybe in his mind it was 50, 100 years, but then within the real world it was a day... And the ancient one didn't know that he had done that, and it kind of brings things into his world, makes Dormammu aware of him, and kind of ties that two storyline together. I don't know. I just felt like he got his powers too quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, in some sense, he did. Uh, you know, um, I felt like if you're, um, what's the character's name? Um, played by um, Mordo. Yeah, Mordo. If you're Chimino. Mordo, yeah. I mean, that, that that's part of. In, in some sense, that was revealed very early on. Like this dude's gonna be pissed over. Doctor yeah. Strange of like he just comes in and he knows his shit like what that he doesn't study just as hard. He might not have. I mean, I again, my 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 one nitpick of the movie. I think it was the Mordo character is the Mordo character. But as far as Doctor Strange, I mean, he became the Doctor that he is. You know, let, let's face it. For lack of better, he's they sort of kind of set him up like House. Okay. <laughs> Um, you know, that's it. They were definitely at that level of dickishness, uh, yet at the same time being brilliant 
uh, to the point that he's the only one and he has the ego to match it. I mean, we are talking about a really smart, intelligent person that if he puts his mind to something, I'm not saying that, you know, we didn't learn that much about Mordo, what his background, where he comes from. Not that it was important. It wasn't Mordo's movie. Um, but I, I don't know. It didn't, it didn't bother me that, because again, I felt that I saw him training enough that I felt, okay, I'm going to buy that he's going to figure this. things out. Do, you know, uh, you mentioned, Dimitri, that it's all about kind of these movies or what, what, what the character, what the hero stands for. Um, did we sort of learn that about Doctor Strange? Like, he's an arrogant prick. And I don't know if he changes much. My only, my answer to that was I do think he changes because he has that, that he has that conversation with um, uh, Dr. Palmer. Dr. Palmer. Where he realized that he was a jerk to her, and that he was—he's for sure the one responsible for their relationship going south, and that he even apologized to her. Sometimes you don't even get that in a movie, and I think with this higher sense of purpose and the ancient one, uh, you know, they had some really good conversation. Again, I—I I felt a, an amazing scene that looked fantastic in 3D in the IMAX was when she's lying on her deathbed. And she teletransports out, and they're the astral projection of yeah. New York City, and they have they had this great conversation. He gained a respect for someone who is more intelligent. He understood her motivations for doing what the ancient one did in order to keep uh, this balance. Like he understood that where Mordo got pissed at that, which that's my issue. Talk about that later. So I do think that by the end of this movie, Doctor Strange, at the very least, has found a place that, that okay, so this is what I'm going to be doing from now on. I can help people. I'm going to become very good at it. And we know that he's going to be part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward, whether in movies by himself or with the Avengers or with Thor so yeah, I mean, you see, you see his character change slightly in in like small actions. One of the actions is when he hands the knife over to the other doctor that he was a dick to before. Mm. Uh, one of the actions is the fact that uh, he gets in the car accident, and then as a doctor who's very stringent on doing things the right way, he starts going through experimental procedure after experimental procedure, mm. and then that like is kind of in its own way. And then having to go to freaking. Um, Kathmandu and then believe in these spiritual arts or whatever like that's another step away from what he's used to so the whole sh the whole movie he consistently takes albeit small steps but steps nonetheless away from who he is uh but then at the end it kind of reverts back to himself except in this new position of he's the same person he was but now he's a arcane doctor instead of a neurosurgeon or a surgeon doctor yeah and he's and i think he's going to be he might be a little bit more sympathetic like he's not going to be oh, as funny. much of a well as an I, I think if the character was able to apologize mm -hmm. you know and, and and admit that they were wrong and that i mean because he was you know think about this movie too he teetered on the line of why why do i like this guy why i'm gonna like when well, that's he what i'm asking her out like yeah I think towards the end, that happened. I, I do. Like, the second half of the movie, I think that we saw that. You know, he's still going to keep his his sarcasm and somewhat abrasiveness and his ego. 
But I think now that it's been tempered by the ancient one, in all honesty, you know, he's, he, he has learned as to what having this power can do and that he can use it for good. Maybe I'm just being pessimistic. What do I know? I think that's optimistic. optimistic. Yeah, right? Oh, did I say pessimistic? I mean, yeah. optimistic. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. What? I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. Do we want more dicks no, in the world? <laughs> no. After this election? What? No. Um, all right. Um, but it's a good point. I mean, they, they, I mean, no, it's a, it's a, it, it he was asked, uh, the director was asked, like, you know, calibrating his exact level of dickishness. And, is that know, the exact term? Yeah. yeah. It was like, tell me about calibrating Strange's exact level of dick, dickishness. And this comes from an interview off I found on Vulture. What'd they do? Just take Robert Downey Jr. and mix him with Sherlock? Well, he was, no, he was like, he was he was actually surprised how far we were able to push it without the audience turning on him. Um, it just confirms my basic conviction about characters. You hear studio people saying all the time the characters have to be likable. He goes, but they don't. And that's true. They don't have to be likable, but they have to be empathetic. They have to be empathetic. Yes, exactly. They have to be empathetic. And, I, you know, the character in this movie goes through an incredible arc and an incredible change, but that's another fallacy you hear about. The characters, here's where I disagree, characters have to change. Sometimes they're interesting because of how they don't change. Uh, Cassilius, for example, that's what makes him interesting, just how sturdy he is in the point of view. I think when your your main character should see some semblance of change, because if we're going to see him in sequels or in other aspects of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know... He, he can't, can't change completely can't, in one movie. Yes, there has to be room for further development along that arc if you're going to see yeah. more sequels. I think one of the, the interesting things is, you know, you can have a character that's a total dick as long as everyone isn't catering to the dickishness. And I think that's what this movie did well, is that any time he was a total asshole, there was, a somebody, there, was a, there was somebody calling him out on it. There was somebody saying something about it where the audience isn't just like, does nobody see that this guy's a total asshole? Like in the beginning, when he's addicted to the other doctor, and Rachel McAdams is like, you're being a little too harsh to him. Later, when he's like, I don't believe in any of this, Tilda sends him on this journey of like the freaking acid trip of a lifetime, and he's like, teach me more. And she's like, nah, throws him out. Like, at least you have a basis in reality within the movie where the characters realize he's a dick. And I love mm -hmm. the scene in the library where it's like, do they work for you? People always laugh at my jokes. Well, do they work for you? No. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I guess... Well, I what do you think, though? You posed the question. What were your thoughts? I don't know. It, it, it was a very tough question um, simply because, um, you know, I, I think... Does does a character need to change? I think I, I think in in the context of this, where you know it's for for lack of a context, there's there's the east versus west, right? Science and mysticism. Um, when you deal with mysticism and magic, the whole idea is that he's supposed to open up his mind, uh, uh, you know, forget everything he knows. So how do you forget everything you know if you don't change something fundamental about yourself? Mm -hmm. So therefore, you have to literally go through a change in order to be good at this. And so if you don't, how can you be good at this? Right. So at that point, I mean, because it, it does happen early on, um, and that's when I started buying into it of like, okay, he's maybe not for the right reason, but he's here to change. He, and he at least is starting to understand the rules of the universe, as the audience is as well, learning like, you know, this is what they defend. This is the reason why we're defending this. You know, you know his, his mind actually was open to all these things that even as a, as a neurosurgeon, like, you know, which... Because, 
unfortunately have had experience. You know, neurosurgeons are some of the most egotistical and not the best with bedside manner no, no, in no. the world. So they are. That's because they know everything you are or ever will be is just electrical signals. Well, <laughs> they just there is there is that's what they try to be like ego. Yeah, that is involved and. You know, at least in this movie, we at least get Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Well, here's, <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I mean, well, here's, here's okay. my message to them. I, you know, and, and this is what I think uh, Doctor Strange started to realize. Like, you know, it's it, I go back to the example of like, if all you ever see in the world is black ducks, well, then you assume that all <laughs> ducks are black. But all it takes is one white duck. Mind to, blown. The, oh well, I guess not all ducks are black. Right. It's the the yeah. there's lots of uh, Chinese literature that references it as being a frog in a well mm-hmm. where like you can be the biggest animal within the well and you're looking up at the sky and you see the sky and you think the sky is your sky but then once you leave the well you realize that you were just a frog in the well um but i mean there's i liked how they gave the simple explanation where they're they're looking I at the for map a movie like this this was the world's simplest like yeah they're like you have the avengers who guard against regular stuff and then we guard against mystic stuff there was an old guy named Agamotto who put up an atmosphere of magic around the planet to protect us, and then we just keep that running. We right. are the power plant workers. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think that's what the MCU has done rather successfully because you can say, well, why didn't Iron Man call in the Avengers? Like, why, why is this not Avenger-worthy? Because... You know, they're facing off foes who are, you know, set on conquering the world or doing something. So they've really set up that, well, no, this is an Avengers story. This is an Iron Man story. This is Captain America. You know, at times we're going to bring them together for the greater good or bad. Captain America 3. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know. But but look at it. Look at from a a perspective of the Avengers in this movie, right? Look at every event that happens, right? A random building in New York explodes. A random building in Hong Kong explodes. Um, There's nothing that has consequences for the outside world on a massive scale that could alert anyone in the Avengers to actually be part of it until Hong Kong, where Dormammu's already invading and dissolving the planet. But at that moment, you're literally experiencing the entire end of the movie within maybe a 10-minute period that gets rewound. So by the time they would be aware of anything, time has already stopped and is being rewound and is already being solved by the mystical arts. So after that whole scene, everything with Dormammu being beaten and the bargain and everything, the Avengers know that a building got blown up in freaking New York and a building there... No, the London building didn't even get... So a building blew up in the world somewhere. Are the Avengers going to be contacting and go after everyone who's going to blow up the building? And and, and even to that point, too, we do see in one scene the Avenger building being folded over while they're in that Murray universe. We we know that it exists there, but, you know, the thing of it is, too... And again, it's a great point. Our our villain, our our Dormammu, was, was, you know, he was bested by a singular hero. You know, like... Doctor Strange was able to do that. We know that we've already been primed about Infinity Stones. Yeah. We already know that... What's that thing called again? Sorry. Eye of Agamotto. The Eye of Agamotto is powered by an Infinity Stone. It's the time Infinity Stone. And we know that this is going to play into a bigger two-part Avengers movie in which Doctor Strange, you know, will will be a be a part of because that's not something he can... 
will will be able to handle on his on his lonesome. I mean, they pri- previous movies prime you for a lot of the themes in this yeah. movie. You have Ant Man really takes you to the nether dimension in a way. Like a yeah. lot of the things that you see when he goes on that journey are things that you somewhat also see oh, when Ant Man's theory about getting. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah. you also have um, the Infinity Stones, as you said. But then you have magic from Thor. So Thor is just explaining magic in a different way, which changes dimensions. Uh, so, I mean, uh, a- Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. plays with parallel universes. Uh, a lot of the Marvel uh, identities kind of have played with all the themes that take place in this movie. So it's not too much of a jump. If if they made Doctor Strange like 10 years ago, people are like, what the hell is going on? Well, yeah, and, 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 and this is something that I'll just bring it up now. Or something I'm going to bring it up now. When do we get to a point in the Marvel Cinematic Universe that where people who weren't even born when Iron Man came out, okay, that they're going to put in the time... Well, watch luckily, it was this. only eight years ago. So kudos. I to understand. I get that. Well, that that I, actually, that's a great point because this movie has a very easy entrance. Mm-hmm. You don't. I don't have to know anything about all any of those things. It helps, but I don't have to. Yeah, but, but it's just like comics, though, Dimitri. No, I understand. Well, I, I hear what you're saying, but comic reading a comic to go to a movie in today's world is. Almost as much effort as people reading a book. I mean, people aren't shelling out their money to go to movies. Now, Star Wars makes it easy. There are technically only four movies you have to see. Four movies can be done in a night. You can watch all four Star Wars movies, know what the hell you're talking about. This is what? The 12th movie? 14th. 14th movie in a cinematic universe that ties, crosses over, ties into stuff... That's a lot of movies. That's a lot of effort but for what, someone, say, 20 years down the line, and if they're still probably going to be making it, for somebody to come in. But it doesn't, really, it doesn't really matter, because when you look at pop culture, all of these heroes, whether it's Thor or whether it's just honestly taking the mythology of Norse mythology, whether it's Doctor Strange and then every other thing that has to do with magic or runes, whether it's taking Iron Man and then... Every show that has somebody in a suit that's an android that's based on Iron Man. You, you're exposed to all these themes that these characters have started. That when you, let's say, you don't see any of these movies and you watch Avengers. You won't get some of the inside jokes, but as soon as you see a guy in an armor suit, you're like, okay, he's an android kind of guy who can do this. As soon as you see Vision, you're like, okay, he can float and he does this. Like You kind of just don't even question it. I didn't, I didn't know who Martian uh, Manhunter was before Justice League. And they introduced this character, and I had no idea, and literally I was just like, who the hell is this character? And then I'm like, okay, he does this, this, and this, and this. Okay, I'm good. Like, once you kind of see what they can do, you kind of just go with it. Yeah, I, again, I think that they're cleverly, wisely, smartly interweaving all this, but there's going to come a point where some semblance of audience isn't really, they're not going to want, they're not going to get the inside jokes, they're not going to get the intricacies of Infinity Stones. They're not going to, unless you're watching these really in a specific order, too, because they were, you know, Marvel has, Kevin Feige, uh, Feige, Feige. has really roadmapped this out to the very minutest of detail. I mean, you got to give this guy some amazing props for what he's done, but it's so intricate. But what, that what I think I'm is going to sure. happen, just like DC, when the comics got to a point, 
where you couldn't start a comic without knowing the entire backstory and all the relations and everything. They said, screw it, New 52. Yeah. And then they said, screw it, let's do the New 50 or whatever. I think the Marvel Cinematic Universe can only grow so big before they have to do a restart, a reboot. But I think there has to be, I think they have an end in sight that well, whether it's the universe collapses or something... <laughs> Or something happens where it remakes all the heroes. They're already doing it in the comics. We have a new Iron Man. We have a new Spider Man. We I, have a new Thor. I get that, but not everybody reads the comics. Well, and again, but, but I'm not saying so different. they don't but need to read the step. comics. They all just that. need to end the Marvel Cinematic Universe at a certain point and reboot it. And that's what they're going to do. Yeah. Once it gets too far in the past for people to watch these movies, they're going to say, "All right, let's just." Remake everything. It doesn't mean those movies in the past don't exist. No, it doesn't. Let's take a step back, because I don't want to get too far off track, but I will tie this conversation. Uh, So, a couple of things that actually amazed me. The fact that they were willing to overall hold out. I know they were looking at other people, but for the most part, they were pretty much set on Benedict Cumberbatch. Mm -hmm. So much so that they waited specifically for him to be available. Right. Happy birthday What the fuck is this? Happy birthday We're talking goddamn Doctor Strange. We're going in a time loop. Give a fuck. We've lost all viewers. All viewers are gone. Uh, no, they're not. They're still here. There we go. Let's see how long these keep burning. Here, use the eye of Agamotto. Okay. Turn this back a few years, Phil. Use the eye of Agamotto because this is going to happen now infinity times. Over and over and over again. <laughs> Let's see if the audience cracks before we crack. Well, thank you. Happy all right, bye, guys. Happy birthday. Happy 82nd birthday. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm on the wrong side. 28th birthday. Uh, for those of you out of the loop, it was my birthday yesterday. Therefore, the staff decided to have cake for me. And in lieu of sounding like a dick, let's get back to the show. Well, so we knew the you only were coming, per- so we baked the cake. The only other person they could have gotten to play Doctor Strange that would have been better than Benedict Cumberbatch is Matt Key from Marvel Movie News. Uh, that probably would have been true. When he dresses, he looks like the character completely, hundred hundred percent. I would have I would have wanted him for it. I would have been very sad to lose him on Marvel movie news, though. Yeah, um, but but then, okay. So so tying it into the the debate that you guys were ready to have kill each other over, because <laughs> um, here's the thing that messes up the movie timeline. You have to kind of now fit it, uh, and I know it's not the biggest thing in the world because it is an origin story, but. It somewhat, you know, I don't, I don't know how much it did affect or did not affect the full timeline because we're talking a full two years, give or take, that this movie took before it, you know, it hit of well, when it was intended. Luckily, what they did, um, you could honestly say that this movie could have come out before Avengers or after Avengers. And honestly, the only thing that they added in to make you know about that is the scene where he talks about the Avengers underneath the planet mm-hmm. and when they. Special effects added the Avengers Tower. Those are the only two references to the Avengers, really. Yeah, well, let, let's. There, there was a great thing that I found uh, on Cinema Blend that asks the question: When in the MCU did, does Doctor Strange take place? Apparently, this has been a going going back and forth. So, guys, let's start with what you know. Over the over the weekend, several fans asked Doctor Strange uh, co-writer C. Roger Cargill on Twitter if the movie is set before Captain America, the Winter Soldier. 
Remember, Jasper Sitwell named Stephen Strange as one of the Project Insight's potential targets, and a benevolent, a benevolent sorcerer would definitely classify as an enemy of Hydra. However, Cargill debunked that idea, saying that Doctor Strange begins in 2016. A brief shot of Avengers Tower, as you just po pointed out, confirms that meaning that the events of Age of Ultron have already occurred. So when we meet Stephen Strange as a surgeon, it's early 2016, though it's harder to determine the month. I'm guessing some, it's guess maybe February. Okay, so at the beginning of 2016, if we're starting off there, Stephen Strange, still a surgical superstar, car crash. Uh, then he spent approximately two months in physical therapy, they're saying, by the time he told Christine Palmer to leave his apartment. Let's say that was early May. Mm -hmm. So then the timeline goes to his training in the mystic arts under the Ancient One, Mordo and Wong. Unfortunately, it's significantly harder. There's not much to go on, but does imply that he was across the globe for many months, which would also mean that his time learning about magic happened post-Captain America Civil War. Then with his... Oh, that's the other thing, too. We didn't bring up. He has an eidetic memory. Yeah, but which, that's... that's Well, if you're learning stuff, I that know. helps in... Which, which I forgot if about you don't have an If you don't have a memory like that, you won't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're saying that... We're talking about approximately the... In place, the climax in January for remaining Doctor Strange lasted approximately one year. So... Then there's the mid credit scene where the hero chatted with Thor. So we know he's going to show up. Uh, I like the infinite beer refills. Yeah. Okay. So it's still unclear whether Stephen Strange will actually show up in Thor. But since the God of Thunder asked for Strange's help in finding Loki, one would logically presume that they'll begin their search immediately rather than wait around. So if Ragnarok takes place in November 2017 which is when the movie comes out. That means this scene takes place days or at most weeks before that story kicks off, placing that in October. Um, so these are all... It's one theory. It's one string time theory that they at least thought of. But again, that's what I'm this. saying. Like Literally, huh? every scene, everything that puts it in the timeline was cleverly added in after the movie was made. I mean, if you really think about it, they could have filmed this movie 10 years ago and then they just wanted to. added in those scenes and then you're good in the timeline. So Waiting on Benedict really didn't change anything about the movie, maybe changed the orders of something they filmed. But the Thor, like literally most of that is putting it because of the Thor scene added, right. which is, hey, let's get Chris Hemsworth and Benedict Cumberbatch on set for one day and film this scene real quick and put it at the end of the credits so we can right. put it in the timeline here. Well, here's, yeah, I will say this. Um, there's, there's numerous accounts of this. Um, they got a lot more time, and, and we know, like, uh, we, we've talked about superhero movies that didn't quite have the time, um, such as X-Men Apocalypse, but <laughs> uh, it, you know, it allowed them the time to really write this. And especially if it's the first movie, you want to kind of set a tone, and then afterwards you can kind of perhaps now you now you know, you know what the tone is, what the visual is. So um, I, I'm glad they got that because I felt it, it could have been too rushed, and it would and it could have been a failure, a complete failure, especially again with the with the intricacies involved in trying to prime an audience, you know, uh, in a cross section in in a, in a crossover audience. I mean, you had all quadrants, right? You've got to educate them. They didn't make it boring. 
They made it fascinating, but it's something that you needed to know so that when the next movie or the next time Strange appears and when he does this with his sling ring, you're understanding what's going on. So when he's in the mirror universe, you have an idea because the first movie, I think, did a really good job of, of bullet pointing what this is all about. And the, because you have to gear when you're making a movie, you have the first assumption must be a lot of people don't know who this guy is. They're not reading. They don't read the comic. I got to make it for those people as well as try to appease the comic book fans. But I got to try to reach out to an audience if I'm going to make money. And I want to make this succeed. It's just what I got from the movie is it felt like the people who write Doctor Strange wrote the movie. Uh, I think you would say that's a good thing. That's a great thing. That's the thing. It's like you look at. Spider-Man films and you look at the Fox and the X-Men movies and they see they don't feel like they're written by the people who really created these characters and the people who really made these characters good in the eyes of the fans. This movie felt like it was a film created by people who have consistently written this character. And well, that's why it was good. That's why Deadpool was great. It was written by people who love Deadpool. So that's why I'm just glad that they didn't sell the rights to Doctor Strange to another freaking studio 20 years ago thinking it'd be big someday. Well, I mean, John um, John Spates, who's the, I guess he gets credited, it appears like he's like at least the main writer on this, you know, was a Doctor Strange fan. He understood the universe, um, and he at, he at least understood that. So when it came time to writing, and the other... Well, he has an interesting deal. story because he had a meeting with them. He right. pitched them ideas, and they were like, "Okay, great. Okay, you don't have the job after after a certain point." And uh, you know, there was a conversation between him and his agent, and the agent's like, "Just call him back." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then that, and then he called them back, and yeah. he got the job. Yeah. So sometimes do that. Yeah. yeah. Can call persistence. Back. If there's anything we know, Doctor Strange had persistence. Yeah. yeah and we have Zach Wilson on the line, the voice of Doom. Hey, guys. Are you on your way here right now, Zach? I am. Excellent. Uh, but, but since time is relative, if you think about it, I'm really already there. Well, that's what we've been trying to tell all, all audiences from the get-go, but they're not believing us. <laughs> yeah, I was, the, I was the egotistical student that betrayed our master, and you're about to come replace me, and then we'll fight to the death. But I got to get some black um, mascara and eyeliner to put on so it actually looks like I'm bad and you can tell I'm bad. I feel like we've lost I wonder with black eyeliner, and I really want to see you in that look, Steven. It's cool. All right. We'll see you in a minute, Zach. Bye. All right. Um, all right. Uh, so speaking of the villain, let's, let's talk about Khaleesius. Um, Khaleesi? Khaleesi. <laughs> Listen, these these are some names, man. I don't do so good with names. Okay. Dormammu and Khaleesius. Khaleesius? Is it Khaleesius or Khaleesius? Either way, let's talk about him. Everyone had a different accent when they said it. Well, see, that's part of the problem. Um, what did you guys think of him as the villain? We didn't get a lot of screen time with him. I mean, I love Mads Mikkelsen. I think he's great. Every Every role he does is good. It's just this one was like... I don't know, standard villain. It, it's it, This movie wasn't about learning about him. You knew that he wasn't going to be a driving force in any other film. So right. they kind of just glossed over him. Like They explained, like, oh, this is the villain. This is what, him. He's related to Benedict Cumberbatch in the way of, like, they have the same kind of attitude towards things. 
and he betrayed Tilda. Mm-hmm. Should we train Doctor Strange because he's similar or not? It's very Star Wars. Yeah, and it's, you know, Dormammu has these powers, and we can, you know, I can make this a better place with these powers, and Dormammu's going to come in and set things straight. And Nobody will die. Yes, it was... Yeah, it's like I like that said. he was called out, though. Yeah. I was like, okay, you got internal life, but you're going to look like that? Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, no, because, yeah, again, it's it, sometimes that's... You know, I don't mind a serious movie, and again, I kind of knocked a little bit of the comedy, but that that's a portion of it where, like, the comedy did fit. Sure. Um, because how many times can we have, everyone's going to take over the universe, and this and that, life is internal, before someone just calls out, like, this is some bullshit, and just spewing. Right. Um, so I did I did like that side of it. Um, you know, and I like the introduction of him, too. Right off the, mm-hmm. you know, the opening scene, we're, we're triggered into that. What'd you think of the scene where he's in the in the body jail and it's like actually like Mads you can actually act for this scene have fun and like the delivery of the lines where he's just talking about everything like the tear goes down his face and he's like I want the new world like what what did you think of his character in that because that's literally the only character development you get for you get for Calisius um I didn't mind you know I would have just wanted more you know I'm I'm always from the unforgiven school of of thinking that I want to know more from my villains I think you know by by if you make your villains equal to your to your main character, it just has a dynamic. So I thought I thought it was great to see, but I wanted I always want more. Yeah, and I was always at the end he was just almost kind of set there. up like a henchman. I mean yeah, he's I mean, ultimately, not ultimately yeah. he's not the all powerful villain. Yes, he's the uh, the representation of Dormammu and he's gonna open up the sky for the bigger villain to come in. But we have to knock out the bigger villain and by knocking him out, then, you know, he's just a henchman. And if I can take care of him, I can take care of you pretty easily. Well, the Ghostbusters yeah. did the same thing where you had the big baddie mm-hmm. and it was like the guy, oh, I'm compelled to yeah. do this. So, you know, in the end, he wasn't necessarily, he was the villain facilitating the stuff. But it was Dormammu at the end that, that, that we had to get rid of. It seemed. What did this is just you know, um, and we don't have to spend too much time on it. But what what would it have been interesting to see if all of a sudden he he was wrong about Dormammu and he helped Doctor Strange? Because I I don't know. I was I was like that when the villain turns. It's like oh sh- crap, what have I done? What have I done? Yeah. I mean, and then Mordo does his fuck his, his his switch, and then you know, in wrestling we call that a face to a heel, heel to a face. <laughs> you know, my. I would have liked it more if Dormammu and if Doctor Strange had some sort of arc that put uh, Khaleesius and Dormammu into that time loop. Mm -hmm. And then they're left forever with Dormammu killing Khaleesius over Over and over and over 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 again. Like, have that and have fun. Yeah, like, turn them against each other in some way. Like, that would have been... That's cool. That would have been hilarious. Because Khaleesius just kind of... I mean, he died like a bitch. (laughs) <laughs> like all the henchmen, like the coolest, like it, it's unfortunate because I think the coolest death in this movie was the defibrillator in the hospital where they're both astral projecting <laughs> right. and she bumps it up to 350 and just blows the guy away. Like, Well, it, it, it's good. And I, I really hope they kind of continue in that trend because that's a perfect marriage of what Dr. Strange really represents the East and the West. You know, right. he's, he's in the astral plane, um, which represents mysticism and all that. But in order to defeat him, he has to use actual science. Yeah, right. 
Um, so that's a, I, I thought that was a really cool way without um, without going too much into it. I yeah. also thought it was a better death for Calisius to be buried in that wall than it was when he just like disintegrated. Yeah, it's like when end. he was going to the wall, you were like, Whoa! and you're yeah. like, dang, yeah. and then he disintegrates. No. <laughs> yeah. I will. Okay, you know, and now I wanted to since, since you brought up Morda. Okay. Mm-hmm. He was he was a, again sort of kind of had a pet peeve with that character change because, okay, I get it. He's pissed at the Ancient One because the Ancient One was using some power of Dormammu to to facilitate, correct? Mm -hmm. Like, she was using some evil Mm -hmm. in order to, and he got pissed at that because of what she taught and all that stuff. It's like, okay, well, that's fine, well, and good, but then why are you continuing to use her teachings? Yeah, you... you you needed a like, scene between Calisius and, and Mordo. Yeah. You needed something it, where, you know, he tried to turn strange and couldn't, but if he got a scene between him and Mordo, it would have made more sense for Mordo. Like, don't you think there are too many sorcerers in the world? Like, something to set up that ending. Yeah, because And maybe it. even in the end, while he's saying there's too many sorcerers, have the mark of the dark one appear on his forehead or something. Yeah, because I, I actually... It stayed... We're talking the very, very end credits with mm-hmm. Benjamin Bratt. Right. And, you know, the way he, he kills Benjamin Bratt, but I'm like, he didn't kill him. Well, he, he, he took, away his, def- power, he took yeah. away his power, which essentially is like he's left him deformed, crippled and he can't move. And Benjamin Bratt wasn't doing it. like he's just a guy that learned how to do this so he can. He was even said, no, he chose to just go on with his life. And and do what he does because he's happy with that. He didn't yeah, want to. Yeah, but he become... represents something. You know, if push comes to shove, I get he's the... a threat. Yeah, I, he didn't appear to be a threat. Threat, and I just found Listen, that, that as someone death... who thinks about this stuff sometimes, yeah. you know, you can't have an uprising. You want to be guess. the all powerful? You got to squash all I threats. Guess. I just found that death to be. It's like you know, I mean, dude, it's unnecessary. I get it, but that's that's not the unnecessary. Point. But it was just like, well, dude, if he feels that passion, then don't be a wizard anymore. Give away the trainings because you're still using. She trained you to have that power, and you're so pissed off at her. Give up wizard and go away. Yeah, well, that's the evil trait of like, okay, well, uh, this is evil, but if anyone's gonna do it, I'm gonna be the one to. But I mean, you have control. you have to realize he's he's brought up on the ancient one teaching him. About Agamotto, right? Sure. And Agamotto warned of the dangers of the Dark Dimension. Agamotto was all about protecting the Earth and protecting the realms, the three realms. And she broke the rules of Agamotto. So as much as you want to say that, oh, why is he doing this? Because she taught him this way. He was brought up on the teachings of somebody who isn't her. She told she was making it very strict on him, and she broke the rules. So why is he going to listen to her, and why is he going to believe in Doctor Strange, somebody who she brought in, who also broke the rules? To be fair, he wanted him, and he's like, well, yeah, yeah. So let's let's yeah, not forget now, that. Yeah, I just if you're so pissed off, stop being a wizard. Don't use your powers. Go away, because she trained you regardless. You're a you wizard, became, Mordo. You're, you're you know, and and part of it says part of it is about. You know, she has the wherewithal to pick these people because she finds some semblance of their character in which they can be good. So he was selected to learn this stuff because she believed the ancient one being that he could put his powers to good use. What I think just I makes what I think just makes more sense though is I'm, it's being nitpicky. I get it. But. With Mordo's development and with the scene we got with Thor, mm-hmm. I think. It leaves a lot of room for development with Mordo and Loki. I think those are going to be two characters that mm-hmm. interact a lot. And I think that's going to be cool because Loki is a sorcerer. Interesting. Yeah. 
Well, here's here's a quote from uh, Derrickson, the director. Um, uh, he felt Mordo was a fundamentalist, saying, "When someone gives themselves over to an extraordinarily strict moral code, the process of breaking out of that is is a violent one. He becomes disillusioned with the ancient one's moral contradictions. The difference is strange can accept the contradiction, Mordo cannot cope with it, which leads to the antagonism between Mordo and Strange, yeah. which will be explored in future sure. films. Of course. So there you go. You know, uh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I thought he was." slightly problematic but but um but overall not too much of a again and, and the, it's uh, nitpicky it didn't bother me so much but it was the a flaw that i yeah that, so it's just it, it's it's prevalent yeah um i thought something interesting uh going back to um how do you say Khaleesi? I call him Khaleesius. Sure. Um, yes. he, he was at, modeled after um, Saruman and Sauron from Lord of the Rings, um, mixed with uh, Joker and Do- John Doe from Seven. Mm. So uh, fair enough. Yeah, you know, I could see that again, borrowing from uh, Christopher Nolan. Of course. <laughs> um, so, so there you go. Um, what other story beats do you guys want to discuss before we get into production stuff? And by the way, for all like comic book tie-ins and references and whatnot, please listen to Marvel Movie News. As much as I would love to talk about all those things, we're n- I'm not a Marvel guy. They've already yeah, they already did the the full review on Doctor Strange this past Wednesday. So yeah, check it out or Tuesday, one of them. Uh, yeah, so check that out. It's literally called Doctor Strange Full Review Marvel Movie News. Yeah, so they're they've again as narrated by Doctor Strange himself, aka Matt Key. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So. Um, but any other 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 story beats that you guys want to definitely hit before we move on to um, more of the production aspects of things? Um, I'm trying to think because I know there's things that we're we're forgetting about. I I did like the fact that she taught that when uh, the ancient one is dying, right? She talks about how she's been to that point hundreds mm-hmm. thousands of times before, so she's experienced all these things before. So I guess it kind of once you see that scene, it gives more. It gives a deeper thought to every scene before that she acts in because apparently she doesn't know which timeline she's on. Does that make sense? Because, I mean, if you look at it, like, you could say that the Ancient One knows everything because she's been through all the timelines to get to that point. She just can't get past that point. But it also shows that she's not all-powerful because when Doctor Strange is on freaking um, uh, Everest, she doesn't know if he's actually going to come out or not. So apparently there's multiple timelines in which Doctor Strange died on Everest. Perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah. Oh, did we talk about the clo- what's the cloak called? The cloak of the cloak of levitation. Of levitation. I was going to say levity. The cloak of levitation. It's literally like... the carpet from Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was I, different color, but that, that part was cool. Um like, you know, but as far as plot beats, I think we've we've, we've at least them. the main ones. Yeah. There might no. be some some smaller ones. I mean, I was itching to get into you know, I was itching to talk about some some of the production because um, one of the fascinating things about this movie was the sling ring, the use of spell casting in that shield. They took a very conscious, deliberate um, way, and they thought about it a lot because within the past decade, we've been uh, we've been in a wizarding world already. Where people with wands and uh, the Harry Potter universe, we've seen people casting spells. They didn't. They wanted to try to stay away and try to make theirs as unique as possible, and I believe they succeeded. 
like, I mean, greatly. Because I mean, martial arts meets magic. In a sense, yeah. I mean, it's kind of reminiscent of the alchemy from Full Metal Alchemist meets magic. Because it's got the, the runes and all the semicircles and things like that. I thought it was interesting that like he chose that as his weapon. Because it's kind of reminiscent of the finger strengthening thing that he had, where mm-hmm. he, like he couldn't move his oh, fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then he's like using what's basically rubber bands on his hands sure. as his weapon. Yeah. So I mean, I thought that was cool. I can't imagine actually filming this though, like being Benedict Cumberbatch. It's like, okay, now pretend that there's something between your hands, like, like you literally have nothing in your hands. Well, it, but I think, here's what I will say. Like, I, I think it's to 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 the point about Harry Potter. Um, how many times, like, you, can you call out a dumb freaking spell and point your wand and what the hell the damn spell is? Like, it's all the same crap. Yeah. Um, this, I get, it, it's it's a very nice visual representation of actual magic. Now, Harry Potter fans, Sorry, we know Harry if Potter. you pay attention to Harry Potter. I know we got Fantastic Beasts there, there coming in. There are different waves of the wand that will represent the spell cast. However, what I found interesting is, is that Derrickson... Um, they wanted to get away from verbal spells, number one. Makes sense. And he goes on to say that magic tends to be something where you cast a spell, then the camera sits back, and you watch something happen. And he didn't want it to be that way. So for that, he wanted to, he wanted it to be more organic. And so what happened was is that um, this gentleman, Stephen Broussard, who was the point producer, introduced uh, Derrickson to this YouTube video of this guy who goes by Jay Funk, who's a tutter, a magician, and he's able to use his hands for this. He does these amazing things with his fingers. You can look him up on YouTube. And he did all the choreography. He's, very, he's the first guy, he's the very first guy in the opening scene who forms the magic whip. Oh. Okay. So, and to your point, the, when Tilda draws the mandala, her movements were had to be so precise. And this is, like, what I find amazing. Because we are, like, how do you tell your act like we've got to essentially draw put in a special effect i gave the mandala to julian and said i need gestures that will last this amount of time to build this okay so she'll do this and then this part will appear and she'll do that and this part will appear and then she'll spin the part and it was all very detailed designed to you know to to make sure that it was so precise that they could make the special effects match up to her, and they had to do the same with Cumberbatch as well. And I just find that choreography was very, 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 very interesting. Zach's here, so he's about to take my seat in just a minute because I'm about to head out. Um, Thank you, S.R. Lemieux. Yeah, I got to say, though, just the, the magic and like the inscribing with the hand motions makes the 3D so awesome. Like, that was what the 3D really accomplished in this film, was when they were drawing the mandala and, like, turns into layers and stuff, and you can see that some points are closer and some yeah. points... Like, the 3D in this film was amazing. And, Zach, you go ahead and take my seat. All right, Steven I'm being Lemieux. replaced. We'll do it that way. Thank you, Steven. Thanks, guys. We've got quite the variety show Hang today. Out. Zach's the actually knowledgeable on Marvel. <laughs> we've got cake. We've got switch-offs. <laughs> we've got magic. I was listening in the, in the car. Were you? As I was getting here. Oh, good. So you know uh, where we are. A little bit. Okay, excellent. We're, we're, uh, well, um, why don't we do this? Why don't we get your uh, thoughts and, uh, if you will, anything that we might have missed or anything you, that you feel you need to add to in terms of the story, and then we'll uh, return back to the production side. Um, overall, like I came into this as a Marvel fan like knowing Doctor Strange, knowing the character, knowing 
like the universe especially that he's inhabiting and this was a good movie it had left a lot to be desired it didn't hit that great point that a lot of the marvel movies have for me um i thought that the the villain uh, you guys talked a little bit about like the weaknesses of like kaecilius and dormammu uh for me i kaecilius's motivation was the major flaw in the movie Mm -hmm. it came down to the script uh, I didn't know what, like, I having read the prelude books that they put out for the the movie, I knew, like, where he was coming from. Right. He basically had, like, lost his family to horrible things, and that was where the Ancient One found him mm-hmm. and started teaching him magic. But... Wasn't well, it in hopes? Because we've seen this before in other movies, uh, that he can bring them back, perhaps? That was the thing that's never been... That was never outlined in any place. Like, what was what was he hoping to achieve by turning Earth over to the Dark Dimension and Dormammu? Like, I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if that's just, like, are we just, like, on Earth, but there's no sun? Because it's dark? Um, I didn't know what the consequences were of that. And I didn't know what he stood to get out of it, because... If Dormammu eats the Earth, which is sort of what they implied, where's he living? Right. Yeah. Um, that was the big. <laughs> that was the big flaw for me. Um, it's a very childhood end type of scenario. Yeah. If you know <laughs> sci-fi. Um, where I mean, I love the standoff with Dormammu. I think that that plus the plus the visual effects at work here. Mm-hmm. The visual effects are unparalleled, and I'm sure we're gonna get into that when we get into production. Absolutely. Um, but I love that sequence just as a concept it was fascinating to watch. It's like, especially as a science fiction nerd, like playing with time loops and mm-hmm. stuff in a, in a part of, in a, in a dimension that doesn't have time because that's a big con- like concept of like planes of existence. Some wouldn't have time. Time is just a construct. Um, I do love what they set up and I was dis- I disagreed with what you guys were saying about uh, Baron Mordo in the setup towards the sequel with the teaser scene, I thought that was awesome. That's what I wanted to see the whole time, is that, like, small-level storyline that's very personable. Um, I want, like, to me, he was an environmentalist who he says he wants the natural order of things, and he's protecting, he wants to protect the natural order, and he sees that magic has destroyed that order. Then he shouldn't use magic. Just give up magic. I think he's basically, but but, but that's like saying, well... The the global warming's happening, so I'm not going to use aerosol spray, but I'm not going to ignore everybody else that uses aerosol spray. The goal is to go out there and stop people from using it. And the only way that he can is to use the magic that he has to remove it from other people. Or he can petition and protest just like everybody else. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the thing. If he hates magic so much because it's so evil, then stop using it yourself. Like, that that was the one... That was just... And, and again, it's, it's very nitpicky. I get that they needed to set him up as the villain. I get it. It just, like... Well then, stop using magic. But he took on okay. But he took on uh, if you want to look at it in any sort of way, he took on Doctor Strange's uh, uh, number one flaw, which is his ego. You know, yeah. he, he learned that from Strange. Of okay, well, it's going to be me, and I, I'm I'm going to be responsible, and I'm going to fix it. Doctor Strange, or as I I see it, uh, Doctor House, who <laughs> discovered magic instead of Vicodin. That's uh, yep. Even down to his relation, the way that he played the interplay with him and Rachel McAdams felt so much like House and Cameron. Mm-hmm. On on house, um, that was another thing that I, I was bothered by in the movie is that Rachel McAdams' character was so nothing. 
Well, yeah, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. I'm trying to, you know, I didn't go back and rewatch the, um, the movies, but did she really have anything much in the first movie? Oh or yeah, in the second movie, really? Um, well, because she was, it was made clear that she was his sort of moral compass. Like she was the one that was grounding him mm-hmm. to his humanity. Like she was the one she like when he was going to throw away the arc reactor that he built because he had made a new one. She boxed it up and put it there because she believed in him. And that she, like, she had a role in bringing him back to being like the, the person that Tony Stark was meant to be. Was that in the third movie? That was in the first movie. I don't even remember. See, again, going that far back. <laughs> <laughs> but that was in the first movie. Gwyneth Paltrow had a big role. And it's not that I necessarily needed... Like Rachel, a love interest in this right. to be a big part, but her character, like I didn't even know what their relationship was in the movie. Like where they just sexual, it seemed like yeah, like, but like in that, about but it. in that sense that like then what was the purpose of that? And I think that they're putting her there to set like Rachel McAdams like is a much bigger actress than that role was, and I think that they know where they wanted to go in the sequel with her, mm-hmm. so they they had to put the actress that was going to be that person. In early, it just like it felt like a waste in this one. I just got that they had a relationship before, and but it didn't have an effect on the plot, which is what I wanted. No, but outside of the fact that she needed to help him towards the middle and end of the movie, yeah. Outside of that, you know, she 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 went on, and we also needed her for you know Doctor Strange to apologize to because. She's the one, you know, in a sense, moral center. He real, you know, he comes to a point where he's like, you know what? I was a jerk. Like, we, we might have had something that, that could have been, like, really special, but I was a jerk to you, and I'm sorry. I would have liked to see a little bit more of their actual relationship, like, when it was good, so that we, or, like, seemingly good, at least to him, so that, like, it didn't, it just felt like he was a dick to her the entire time. Like, why was she even, other was. than the fact that he's Benedict Cumberbatch, why were you with him? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I mean, I, I can I can see it, you know, um, in a sense, like, especially, you know, uh, a woman like that is going to be attracted to intelligence. And, yeah. uh, and that, I mean, he's a brilliant neurosurgeon, so you can't take that away from him. Um, and, you know, perhaps she did think, like, the two of them would kind of help the world, but they had, you know, one works in the art, like, they, 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 two completely different thoughts. Like, yeah. Um, which is why it reminded me of House and Cameron because that is like a very much like he's so big scale, she's very little scale, um, and they, they the two counterbalance each other well in that show. Um, but yeah, I I loved where they, I love where Doctor Strange wound up by the end of the movie. Like his, the the pace of him getting there was a little tough because you needed to get a guy from zero knowledge to basically Sorcerer Supreme in two hours. Or even even if you'd given them another thirty, I don't know how much more it would have helped. Like it, he, Doctor Strange, like in his best form, is supposed to be the guy you go to. He's the one who is meditating and like supervising in a sense. Like he's the clear, most clear headed character in the Marvel universe. So, but I like that. I love that we we got one moment of it, and it was in that tag scene with Thor. Mm-hmm. At the very end, and yeah. it just, that was the moment where he truly felt like Doctor yeah. Strange to me. Yeah. That like he like he, you go to him, he advises you, he helps you, he's very kind. Uh, he could be a little arrogant, but yeah. not in like but in a way that you're like, I like this guy. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, I like that tag as well. And I thought for the two hours, I got what I needed to learn and know 
and he got to where he is. You know, it was earned. I, I couldn't have done another half hour. I think I think it it never overstayed its welcome. It looked fantastic. I thought the pacing was was on point on this, and I learned what I needed to know of this universe. So that going forward, when they bring in and make it bigger and badder and whatever, I'm at least gonna have a semblance no. of what the hell's going on. Yeah, so, I, that, that's it's tough. I think for this one, without knowing Doctor Strange, I, think, I, th- I thought we could have saved a little tough. bit money on the uh, car action sequence and put it maybe somewhere else. <laughs> oh man, that was nuts though. <laughs> like that, like that is the world's best PSA. Most uh, expensive, don't text and drive ad ever. <laughs> yeah, and they they put that at the very end of the. Credits too. Yeah. Did, yep. They, they maybe they should have put it a little soon. Maybe, yeah. maybe right as it's happening, they should have just like literally put up "Don't text and drive." Well, no, this is do, what do not drive. Um, do not drive distracted. It was at the very end of the credits. Yeah, after I the, saw the, that. Yeah. Um, that that tag though, uh, directed by uh, Taika Waititi. Yeah. Um, which which um, basically implying that Doctor Strange is probably going to show up in Thor Ragnarok yeah. next year. But that's where Doctor Strange, I think, is best used is like as this companion piece and like mm-hmm. to be like a character. I want to see these team ups more because mm-hmm. that was exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think I think him and Thor are going to be yeah because they're yeah Thor. He's not like um, he's not like Iron Man, but he's he's got his own arrogance. Like <laughs> the, the arrogance matches to me at least what Doctor Strange used to be. Yeah. In a way, in a way. Yeah, to a sense. Um, I mean, they're both like they both carry magical things, yeah. and they both have a lot of pride. Yeah. In themselves. I, do, do you think? Uh, well, maybe you know this, but do you think Doctor Sh- can he pick up the hammer? Uh, <laughs> no. He's. I, I think he's way too ar- like even in, as even in his current <laughs> state, he's he's still too arrogant. Even Steve Rogers could barely move the hammer. Well, that that's why I brought it up because I you know it's been a plot point in the past, which I thought yeah. was funny. It would be funny though. To, it's it's always it's this interesting thing about the the hammer. It's supposed to be like only Thor can pick it up, but there are other people like as good hearted as Thor. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Um. Excellent. Uh, let's see. Let, let, let's, let's talk about Scott, and then we'll move on to uh, more specific um, production elements. But um, talk about another guy that just really wanted it. I mean, he he kind of put a whole 12 page. He had written 12 pages for this um, about the Astro plane and, and kind of fought his way into it. Because um, this is a guy who's done horror. You know, mm-hmm. uh, good horror, but, yeah. you know, not. I, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily say, like, oh, here, here's a blockbuster film um but he pulled it off but it's what the end it's what the marvel it's what marvel does best because think about all the people that they've hired on as directors iron man to give it to john favreau was really is he going to be your first choice maybe not but we see that he has chops and oh yeah he comes real cheap and we can probably tell him what to do like when you look at the directors that they hire, especially for these first ones on, they're hiring people that you probably have the chops, but that um, Marvel can also keep the reins on. That's why they have so many turn around in various directors. Like Edgar Wright is one of the more famous ones. Edgar Wright and his right probably thought, hey, you know what? Sawed off. I've, you know, I think I've proven myself as a storyteller. And like, they always say creative differences. That's because Kevin Feige, or Feige, 
has his roadmap and he wants you to be, he wants you to do exactly what he says. Joss Whedon was probably one of the more, when he was hired, one of the more known directors at the time and he even on Age of Ultron, they had their back and forth going on. Well, because the Marvel Cinematic mm. Universe isn't a, a, isn't a movie franchise in the same way mm. that like other movie franchises are. This is a t- this is a TV show on a grand scale, and Kevin Feige is the showrunner. And I and I completely defend his position in that role. Like that's the thing. It's like and why they I think they're going with younger directors and more or less are known as be- not that it's like they'll listen to what I have to say, but it's like no, they're gonna they're gonna come in and they they'll be part of this team that we're building. The same way that when you run a TV show, you have a team of writers who are all working together towards a common goal. I agree, but Edgar also, Wright is sort of in this, and it's it, it's hard. He because he was attached to that project before the Marvel Cinematic Universe was a thing. Like he's yeah. been, he was attached to Ant Man before Iron Man came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was just like he was sort of this like unfortunate holdover <laughs> where. His movie would have been probably a greater standalone movie, but Could it just didn't fit. And so, like, you're bringing in, like, this guy, like, they've got new, like, a guy that's directed two features coming in to do Spider Man, to do one, a potential billion dollar movie. Like, that takes a, a lot of faith from, well, a, but, from a studio. But they also come cheap. Like, they don't have to pay these directors the big time money that. I feel like it's you know, not uh, even a it's not even a oh, thing. Like when they have the, you're talking you're Disney, t- my friend, budgeting is definitely a thing. And when they can get somebody who they see talent in, I mean, literally, that you know. But it seems to be going because look at it's not just the Marvel universe that's doing this. Look, Universal hires Colin Trevorrow, who had done one independent movie that cost like two dollars to make. Colin Trevorrow to do Jurassic World. This is like setting up part of the reason why is because we see that this guy has talent. We want to nurture it. We don't have to give him Steven Spielberg bucks to have him come on in. Same thing with Godzilla and Sony. Gareth Edwards had done a very low budget independent movie called Monsters. But it's like we see potential in this guy. We don't have we can don't have to pay him a ton. We can put the budget into the movie. And when it comes to Marvel, a lot of the budgets go into the movie. And the screenwriting. And into your point, I do agree that I think that they find people who can work well together. Yeah. And and writing and collaborating because they'll get that same director will do a button for the end of the next movie, even though they're not attached to that. And like movie. you have and, to be like Kenneth Branagh was like he was not okay with the fact that another director was putting a, a mo- like a scene at the end of his movie. But that's like that's what the fans wanted. And it doesn't it doesn't affect the movie, but it's a night nice, it's it's the next on right. that you get on TV. <laughs> right. No, yeah, I agree with you 100%. But again, and they are directors that they can mold who won't give too much pushback and creative differences will, will, will come up. The directors want to work. What was it? The Russo brothers. They come from TV. But they recognize that there is a talent. And they came from comedy. They not from, from community. Doing, they came, yeah. And so... I appreciate that they're giving these folks the opportunity to tell these stories and they're doing it really well. It's just funny to hear all these other stories on the other side where it's like, yes, yeah, so-and-so, they left the creative differences. And it's because they didn't fit in with, with you know, the Marvel, what they wanted to do. So they bring in somebody that's like, hey, we're going to give you an opportunity. This is a $100 million budget movie. Like, you just came from television. You're going to get paid this. We have faith in you. You're going to work with us. 
this is our vision. What do you want to do? We find you creative. They've mined some tremendous talent. Mm -hmm. Like these movies, like John Favreau without Iron Man. Come on, like look what look what it did to his career. So I don't know. I just I agree. I mean, I you know, I mean, I just look at it even from a marketing perspective. How how much can you fit into a damn trailer of like, oh, Steven Spielberg, Doctor Strange, (laughs) right? (laughs) Come on, no one, no one, no one at that point needs that. But you're mining talent as well, and and I think it's great to give these these people opportunity. I can't even imagine the amount of pressure of going. Think about like the amount of pressure you're being given. A bazillion dollars to make this movie. And well, you don't want to be the Disney. next guy. I mean, at this point, like you, you don't want to be the guy that breaks the. the you don't want to be chain. the failure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which I think you know. I, I think unfortunately is going to be start to be a side effect of I don't want to be the guy that fucks this movie. So let me be a little bit more cautious. Well, you know, let's and again, just just saying, you know, going into this, look what look what happened to um, the guy that's probably mo- mo- most notable. For, for for losing work, um, now I can't even think of his name. The guy that did Fantastic Four, Josh Trank, who lost his no. Star Wars gig, and that was very publicly. That wasn't even a creative differences. That was we just fired him because we didn't, you know. Well, he didn't help and the situation. He and didn't I help get, the he... situation. But again, you're going to a guy that had done that independent. Uh, I forget what that sci-fi movie was where they had the superpowers. Was, um, uh, was that Chronicle? Chronicle, yes. They found that there was a talent in the like. I get where people are going, but I appreciate that they're finding they're finding some good talent out there, and the MCU is making some really exciting movies. And let me ask you, where would you put this? Because Doctor Strange was directed well. Do you like his direction, Derrickson? The, direction? the directing, the direction was good. To me, the flaws in this movie all came in the script. In the script, but like he had a hand in that, though. Yeah, and he did. So, like, he's not blameless. Um, but the direct, like specifically the directing, I did. I thought was great because, like, for, like the performances for me all landed. Um, I, I think Cumberbatch did a great job. I think Swinton did a great job. Mm-hmm. Like even like even characters that I just like like Rachel McAdams did a good job with what she was given. True. Um, it was the it was the writing, not the directing, that was yeah. the, the flaw here. Yeah, yeah, and I don't disagree. And listen, I just think that for a movie that was intricate, as far as you know, this isn't just Captain America. Okay, he gets considered with serum, but he stands for good. We got sort of a dick guy, yeah. he's, and he's put in a world. Well, even so, that, that's that, hard. I, let's talk about that because you know, Captain. May, like at this point, you kind of know the verbiage, right? For lack of a better term, here you you got to create uh, a whole set of rules um, that's unlike Harry Potter. That's unlike this, and 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 you have to do it mm-hmm. both in the, obviously in camera, but then a lot of visual effects and make it work. Um, and so that's that's what I find most fascinating. I have to give credit where credit is due because they pulled that off. Oh, yeah. the VFX, and I, I knew uh, a couple people on the v- like that did like VFX like like spot jobs here and there, and they had like they were just like this. Is, even they were like this is unreal. Um, to me, I've never seen like a film. This is unparalleled in cinematic history for visual effects. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I would go back to Avatar. Like, if it wasn't for Avatar, we don't get this mm-hmm. and this to me did, um did you see it in imax yeah. 3d yeah i mean it, it was mind it was amazing and i didn't even like i said earlier i didn't even have to understand what the fuck was going on <laughs> i was just like 
blown away. Like this is this is what the technology is for. And if you're gonna go for it, his whole magical mystery tour thing. And Stephen was talking about the um, doing the spells. What's in the foreground was equally as important as in the background. Yeah. So, well, just like the way like. The, the, the way that people were, because they were trying to do like the Ditko era comics of Doctor Strange, which you look at those on paper and you're just, there's no way that that would translate to the big screen. Mm-hmm. But the way, but I th- and this movie was something that I don't think you could have done even five years ago because the way, like the way that they used 3D, and I'm already a huge proponent of 3D, and I think yeah. this movie is just like the the poster child for like what you can do with it and like in creative ways because it gives you this it, it adds to what you're seeing because it gives you when he feels lost in that in the void you can feel lost in the void like stuff can it doesn't have to be like the muppet 3D ride at Disneyland where stuff's like coming out yeah. into your face like but it just it adds to that depth of field to give you almost a sense of vertical. My my, my my joke was you can't go into the fourth dimension without without reaching the third. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, and, nice. I, and I mean I agree. I'm a big proponent of 3D, and and again I'll say it. Had it not been for Avatar, 3D could have easily gone away. 3D was at a very very low point. Okay, people thought that they were being cheated. The 3D sucked. People felt like they were being assaulted. They were getting headaches, not feeling good. But James Cameron proved and, and said, no, done right, done smart, done with the right money, and you do it right, this is what you can achieve. And I think that, you know, Doctor Strange not only took from, like, an Avatar and even an Inception, but they took from, like, 2001. They were doing, it seemed, old school effects, but making them look amazing. And the 3D, again, so, especially on IMAX, I mean so visually crisp and clear that I was like, if I was on shrooms right now, <laughs> this is like, this is amazing. Somebody, I can't remember who this was, so I wish I could give them credit, but it's just uh, described it. This is what a, a black light poster would have looked like if you'd brought it to life. Yeah, it was, yeah, and it was, but it was done, it was really done to great effect where it didn't overpower the story. Um, you know, I thought that it was used as a tool as as to what it should be. It shouldn't be effects over our, you know, we still care for our doctor. And, um, you know, the fight scenes, I thought, were great, even when they were based in the real world. Yeah. I thought. It looked, the Whenever you use that sling ring and they, they purposely made it so that, like, the sparks, that looked awesome in 3D. Yeah. Um, we were talking about the scene about the apple. Um, when he was when he was first oh, learning about yeah, that yeah. scene was and again in 3D because you had the blue and then you had the apple here and then it turns this way and it goes bad. He, but that's practical, right? That was more like like photo wise. That was done practically, correct? In to what, me, in, the, in what sense? Like, yeah. like in the sense that it, 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 it's the Matrix effect where oh, you know bullet, you, bullet you, bullet, you do a, a bullet time effect of just an apple being. You know, I'm not sure what they did with that particular yeah, effect. Yeah, right? it just looked amazing in 3D. Yeah. You know, because you had so many elements. You had Doctor Strange. You had the, uh, you had the, the, the Infinity Stone, the Blue Shield that he was using his hands with. And then you had the apple. And then you had your surrounding. And there wasn't a time where anything all blurry. I could not see. It was clear. It was awesome to look at. And I was like, this is when you're going to make special effects movies like this. 
this is uh, it, this works, and it, and it's a small scene compared to the magical mystery tour and the Battle of Dormammu. Yeah, yeah. Well, small is where it works. Like I like, I want to see these stories like get so finely focused that we're just worrying about character, and then you can have a big battle that takes part of it. But the character, I think, is is what sings about um, movies like this. There's a great um, there's a great article that I included in our rundown um, about just the the cloak of levitation alone mm-hmm. um, because they were at, they really wanted to make it a character which isn't uh, which I, I thought that was a nice distinction from the comics to this of okay let's let's have these objects sort of have their own minds which it, remind me Harry Potter style but the cloak of levitation because uh, I I went and talked to Matt Key about this because uh, I was curious um, it does like it does behave. Mm-hmm. in the comics but not nearly to this extent it doesn't like drag him necessarily but it does it does sort of like behave mm-hmm. um, or i guess the, in the sense that it has to like attach itself and agree to work with somebody mm-hmm. is sort of the way that it acts in the books and i, I like too because it, it uh you know especially early on it, it it buffers him from his own arrogance it's like no no stupid use that right <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so it, it lends itself quite well for comedy and things like that and uh, Stephen it's been described this way but Stephen described um, and as well as Aladdin's magic carpet and I yeah. thought yeah. you know it, it, they pull it off because you know it's one thing to do it in a cartoon but to, to do it and have it visually look real yeah, and interact yeah you know with your main character I thought yeah I thought that cloak was pretty cool and, and funny I'm glad they added you know it wasn't a full character but enough of a guidance to our main hero that he's going to need him like later on down yeah. the line. Yeah. Well, the cloak of levitation is such a part of like the character's look, like mm-hmm. you needed it. And like all the, all the little artifacts and like, and you think you guys already tossed to like the Marvel movie news covered like all of them, mm-hmm. but it's like the, even the, the ax that he's reaching for in that moment is, is the, the ax that he's carrying in the current runs. Like it's his like mm-hmm. weapon of choice is the ax of, uh, uh, I can't remember. It's like Aragoth or something. <laughs> um, one of the things I did find interesting was... Um, How lit- can you remember all? I mean... <laughs> uh, the, the production team overall uh, was pretty much the ones that did Guardians of the Galaxy, so much so that they were unavailable for Guardians of the Galaxy 2. So it's good <laughs> in that way, because number one, they know the Marvel Universe, not uh, you know, not that those are necessarily tied in in that way, but um, but also like that's such a visual movie... Um, in the sense of what they pull off, that I think they were able to build upon that as well. Um, so a lot of a lot of kudos to them for that. Yeah. yeah. You know, and going back special effects wise too, the way they were filming uh, Cumberbatch in the Magical Mystery Tour, which is actually what they call it. I won't take credit for that, but he was basically on a robotic arm. The cameras set up, and they had movable light fixtures that were going to project images onto the actor while he's being. And they, they, they sort of again. We talk about being inspired by, so inspired by Inception. This was inspired by Gravity, you know. So they were using those techniques, but to a larger effect, to have him flying through this, and they just use different light sources, um, you know. And then you go to the Sanctum Sanctorum. You know, that scene, the fortress home was sort of kind of crazy, too, and multiple sets. And they had to make it so that everywhere he pointed a camera and they used the Alexa 65, a lot of people using this digital. But again, 
they took this time. It's like you said, Phil. It didn't feel rushed. No. I, I felt they, they, they needed to take the time to make this. It wasn't Batman versus Superman. Like, I didn't feel like they had to cram everything all in one. It didn't feel... They took the time to make sure they got it done right. Um, and for the most part, I think they... I At least going into the next movie, wherever Doctor Strange appears, whether it's a standalone or with the Avengers or whoever, I at least know the character better. So when he uses his magic, I was like, okay, I know what he's doing. I understand that. So the um, I love the, the final confrontation scene in, in Hong Kong. Um, this is that that set was built in London. Well, please, I would have never even known it was a set. I mean, it looked that scene. I that that scene was awesome too. The, like the whole street was yeah. pre-built. Wow, enormous set built in London. Um, environment. There are a lot of elements moving backwards. Uh, they needed to destroy, rely on previs. We had to destroy, then fix back up again and do all that. Yeah, incredible. I thought they were on location. <laughs> But that's movie magic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, that 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 was amazing because again, so much has to happen. You have to kind of break things down, bring them back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess it makes sense. Like you couldn't do that out in public. Yeah, yeah. And then you need your pickup shots. Then you need to get your master. You need to film from especially another angle. At, like because it was at night. Like yeah. that means you're working like split yeah. shifts and yeah, all the great movie magic. Um, Let's talk about a guy we've talked about a lot before, Michael Giancino. <laughs> yes. Uh, composer of this. I, I actually, um, I, I forget which, like, ballad it is. I, I don't know how to describe it, but it had that really, like, um, little great, you, you know, it, it was a great mix of what what I, I guess what they were trying to go between Western music and Eastern with, with that slight tinge of ethereal, whatever it yeah. was. Yeah, it was Baroque. Uh, they used he used a, a mixture of that 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 ding 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 like the, and and I was just trying to come up with a listing of the track mm-hmm. um, names because he's a very punny guy and I use that term literally so you know one of the one of the one of the songs in the soundtrack is called Going for Baroque mm-hmm. so he does that a lot but you know I felt that. I had downloaded the soundtrack, listened to the soundtrack before watching the movie. I was like, okay. Um, a little bit different, but I always, I can always say, like, he's, he takes a little from Star Trek. Uh, you know, he, he takes from his other stuff, but he adds other elements into it. Um, and my knee-jerk reaction, too, because he also added guitar to it, was, oh, no, maybe he's going down the Hans Zimmer Path. I don't want him to. I don't want the music to be so explosive that it overtakes the movie. And then I saw the movie, re-listened to the soundtrack again. It's a decent soundtrack. I mean, we were talking about it. He is the flavor of the month. Um, I don't know if you can call him flavor of the month. He's well, been doing like a high-profile TV and film for like five years. He's but he's now starting to be like five years ago or so. Hans Zimmer was like the go-to guy that you would hire for this. Not too long ago, it was Alexander Desplat was being hired for a ton of stuff. So, and, flavor of the month know, in the sense of like of the five, now, six well, years span. Well, but yeah, yeah but, I, but look at what he's be. You know, he gets Jurassic World. He does this great job. I mean, he's getting every job down the pike. Somebody like John Ottman's got to be feeling pretty pissed. Going, you know, I can do this too. I've done superhero movies. It, Giacchino is is a really good composer. I've always believed that he could be heir apparent to like a John Williams. He has. That sort of kind of flair. 
there. He's he's doing Star Wars Rogue One, which I think we mentioned he he's doing Rogue One, and he's also Spider Man. He's also doing Spider Man. He's going to do yeah. the Incredibles too. I mean, he really. Yeah. I think more than anything, he's yeah. like. Not even that he's like the flavor, but he's Disney's guy. Yeah, he's the guy that, but he's a universal hired him. I mean, this guy, he's been his Pixar stuff, Incredibles. If you haven't heard that soundtrack, it's a fantastic. He, soundtrack. He's a great, you're a great uh, composer. I just, I just saw him uh, conducting concert. Uh, they did the Lost uh, concert series for like the 10 year anniversary, mm-hmm. or whatever it was, and he conducted the orchestra. And it was, it's beautiful music, and that was like his breakout. You're right piece was lost and like since then disney is like ours <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and 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 i get it but he's also done star trek for paramount you know jj abrams went to him for that there was one moment in doctor strange where maybe it's just because i've listened to the star trek soundtrack like so much because i, I the original but meaning the 2009 the one. 2009 yeah. star trek i've listened to it a lot and there was like one there's what i can't remember what scene it was it might have been the battle with caecilius in the the sanctum sanctorum uh where like i heard some chords that so perfectly matched the star trek soundtrack that it took me out of it for a moment uh but other than that one moment uh, I thought the score beautifully accompanied it in a way that were, it didn't and never overtook it, mm-hmm. but it was always driving it forward. Yeah, no, I mean, I definitely. He just with Star Trek, it seemed he just seemed to turn a couple of chords around, but he even uses a piano motif uh, in this movie. Again, I wish I could have. I wish I had the track listing uh, up. I haven't had that committed to memory, but in Star Trek Into Darkness, he used a very. Uh, 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 he's a very beautiful piano motif uh, when 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 um, a father was going to uh, self-sacrifice himself so that his daughter could live and he blows up this library at Starfleet. It's done to a very nice piano piece. He does that similar here. It just reminded me of Into Darkness. But again, using his Baroque, and he set up a theme too. This is what a lot of, we've talked about this with John Ottman before, and I agree with Ottman a lot. People forget to make themes for their characters. That that suite can be played throughout and whether it can be made to be heroic or whether the character is downtrodden, Michael Giacchino creates themes. Um, so, you know, I felt that this was... Oh, here we so, go. So, yeah, here are some of the, the track listings. A Long Strange Trip. <laughs> uh, the Hands <laughs> Dealt. Uh, reading is fundamental. Uh, <laughs> I wonder where those op- scenes take place. Yeah. Post-op paracosm. Okay. Hippocratic hypocrite. Smartass. Hong Kong kablooey. Yeah. <laughs> that just makes you think of Hong Kong <laughs> fooey. Yeah. Well, Number one super guy. that's what he does. Like, if you, know? you look at all of his track listings for whatever movie, he does, uh, you know, he, he does that a lot, but... Yeah, I felt that the, the, the score was was really good. I'm just wondering, is he going to burn out? <laughs> He's getting Gino. so much work. Um, you know. Well, that's uh, here's the thing. I, I don't think he's going to burn out. I think you know to Zach's point. You know, all these guys they've been working and they work at a pretty rigorous pace. Now he's just taking on more high profile movies and getting. The credit. I mean, he's doing three. I think an average of three movies a year right now. Maybe not, four. It's not that um, bad. I don't know how long talking, it takes to compose a feature. It's a lot for one. When you th- when you think about all, all the composers that are out there, 
Like, he's getting a crux of the major big... Like, now he's getting, like, the... the like, he's going from Jurassic World... Like, he's going from Pixar, which is great, but when you're watching a Pixar movie, people aren't thinking about who composed the music, right? But now he's doing Star Wars. I feel like the music in Pixar movies is a huge component. Kids re- I'm not disagreeing, but I'm just saying kids aren't looking oh, who, who, kids aren't like, but they're like not the, paying attention to the music as much as but you're like like we might be but he's this guy's doing jurassic world he's doing a star wars movie he's done two star trek movies a three star trek movies he's done doctor strange he's doing spider-man <laughs> i mean this guy is getting a lot of work and i'll and be very curious to see what he does with like spider-man because doctor strange he did like manage to hit that like very weird because doctor strange was a very weird movie in terms of tone in terms of like how it was all flowing so he i think he brought a lot to it Agreed. in that sense like when he does spider-man he's going to be compared immediately to danny elfman yeah um and danny elfman to me is one of the most iconic superhero scores that we had oh. outside of like Maybe Superman. I agree, and, um, and and but I will say, like, even if he, it's um, it's great that you say that because he's already had experience like working with Jurassic World. I mean, you got to fill in the shoes of like this is a John Williams score. How yeah. do I do this? John Ottman was the same when he comes in to do Superman Returns. Like, he's filling in for John Williams, and like you can pay a wonderful homage and not have it be cheap. Like, even if he decides to take a little from Danny Elfman, which I think, I don't know if you would agree. I, think I don't know. If, I don't know. Other than the, other but, than the 60s, like the, the song, I don't know that he would because I think it was tied to those movies to the, more right. than it was to the cast. Superman score is tied to Superman. Yeah. Uh, but the Spider-Man score is tied to those movies, yeah. not the character which is a as different, much. Yeah. And yeah. I get, but, it might be sort of cool. But it is but something that people called out recently. There was a huge article about the, this music behind Marvel, and is it a problem that it's, uh, it's mostly forgettable? Like, I disagree that it's all forgettable. The I, I, Like, the Avengers score, like, the, the Avengers theme right. is in my head. Um, but they're not wrong in the sense that, like, I don't come out of each one having a specific tune. Darth Vader's, like, the Imperial March is something that everyone can hum right in an instant then so far other like there isn't that there isn't one that's captured that and like there is room i think giacchino is is sort of like that's sort of his challenge as he goes forward is can he find a a theme for some for one of these uh, these characters especially like spider-man which is so big and so well known that can like be captured alongside it and carry through. Yeah. Yeah. We'll find out. Well, no, but again, with this, he did definitely come up with a theme for our Doctor Strange, which again was, to your point, it's sort of refreshing because in soundtracks as a general thing, I think that tying themes into characters is, is somewhat become a lost art. But it's such a wonderful music cue for the audience that it's a relatable thing. And it could be, they could change the tone in which for the character it could become heroic. Or if the character is down, they can play it at a different, slow it down, make it so the character... Gene Kino does that. And like I said, John Ottman has talked about it on this show that he believes, because the greats, Jerry Goldsmith and folks... They created themes and suites. John Williams learned from them to, to have it play throughout an entire saga, you know, so that it does stay in your head and it becomes, in a sense, iconic 
But you have to walk that line of like that versus it overpowering what's happening in the moment. That's what makes Um, a great composer. Yeah, it's and it's a tough line to walk. Mm -hmm. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Obviously, there's there's no. uh, you couldn't really walk anywhere without seeing Doctor Strange promotions anywhere. No. <laughs> no. Um, no. So much so that Zach read the comics. But I do want to ask um, one of the things uh, that no, I, I found interesting. Regardless. Um, Captain, uh, the Blu-ray um, had a couple of scenes, behind-the-scenes footage <clears throat> from this movie. And I was wondering if either of you caught that. I watched them. Yeah, what, what, what scenes were they? Um, oh, uh... It wasn't really a scene. It was like a behind the. It was behind the scenes. Just like it, it wasn't anything that hadn't already been in a trailer. Because mm-hmm. I remember, because we, I, like, I ran out that morning when Civil War came out on Blu-ray, so that we could check it for. Because it was the mo- same morning we were taping a Marvel movie news show, and we wanted to check to see if there was anything new on there, and there wasn't. There was like a couple of interviews that, at this point, it's just it's just giving us news we already know by heart. Got it. Um, it was like some scenes of him uh i know there were some scenes of him in training uh i believe with like the group of people mm-hmm. um but there was nothing like we we, we didn't see the the myth, the magical tour mm-hmm. we didn't see uh like obviously they didn't show us like dormammu or anything that wasn't in any of the promotions which by the way that was cumberbatch yeah. yeah. <laughs> we didn't talk about that. Yeah, it was, uh, it was his face, and yeah. it was half his voice. Yeah. Uh, I forget who the other guy was that they doubled up with. But I actually think that that was brilliant in like, sure. the trippiness of, yeah. like, your main villain shares, like, a piece of you. Yeah. Um, awesome. And also, like, in a dimension where the, the rules of our universe don't apply. Right. Uh could be a sound upon may hero. yeah sound may not exist the same way he may be hearing yeah. himself yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah. Um, I think a lot of fans were disappointed that Dormammu didn't his head didn't light on fire okay. at any point in the comics he's very much a ball like he's he's, he's, he's covered in fire okay uh, this effect was really cool uh, and <laughs> yeah. I love that it's Cumberbatch yeah. Uh, but yeah a lot of fans I know I saw tweets throughout the week that were like why wasn't he on fire? Sure. Or at least, like, for a moment, like, if he'd burst into rage and flames, just, like, give fans that treat. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I, well, I and the market, you're right. The marketing for this was all over the place. I did, I mean, I, I did love some of the, the tricks they pulled because they, like, they messed with time stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, on, uh, they had, they had commercials that played in reverse. I didn't see that. Um, where they like show they had like the scenes in Hong Kong and like right. literally you heard like the like that stuff like on television. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they also had Facebook ads that were like they would basically the image that they put on them was meant to look like you would scroll past it and then it would be another Facebook ad. Um, but then that would that one would distort and bend with magic, uh, <laughs> yeah. so that they could like make you like it through every time you're like looking through you're like, oh what the hell mm-hmm. oh it's Doctor Strange yeah I mean you know again it's just that Disney that Disney machine coming up with creative ways to do this and making it so we know that we have a character that the mass audience isn't overly familiar with and. We, we, we need to put this through in such a way to get everybody a, 
everybody on board and and have an appeal. Hiring Benedict Cumberbatch, I think, at this point, I mean, it helps. It didn't hurt. But there, I mean, I start like wherever I looked, whether it's on TV, whether it's a billboard, uh, an ad online. Um, you know, I think that they did, a, you know, they did a really good job. And it doesn't hurt that the movie gets good reviews, you know, for any Marvel movie. You know, they want it, you know, 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. It gets an A in cinema score. You know, the Marvel movies really, like, this is a thing. If the movie sucks, yeah, you can make a lot of money. Batman vs. Superman, Suicide Squad, Critics, Universe. I mean, it got like a 2%. Okay, still makes a ton of money, right? Still can make a ton of money, but look what you can do when you get really good reviews. And worldwide, you're so far at $344 million domestic and foreign. And you're getting good reviews, so your word of mouth is going to build. Your, you'll go see it, you know, your fans might go see it a second, third time. Steven already said, I want to see it again because there's probably details that I could have missed. You don't I don't know how many times people rewatched a Suicide Squad. I know people that went and saw it again. Um mm-hmm. but those were like DC super fans. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that Steven wants to see it again speaks volume. Yeah. Like I want to go see it again just so I can experience the IMAX 3D version of this one more time yeah. uh before it before Fantastic Beasts comes in sure. and takes over all those screens. Right. Uh, but because like you'll never get that no. version of it again, right? Um, until they do like a, another like release, like a when Doctor Strange two comes out, they, sure, <laughs> they do like a, right? Uh, the the marathon of <laughs> eight, eight the eight appearances of Doctor Strange <laughs> for twelve hours at El Capitan. Yeah. Uh, so and you know you have a hundred and sixty five million dollar budget, which is a it's a good sized budget to work with you got to figure it had to have been all in hard drive and advertising close to 200 million when all is said and done and already worldwide you've got 344 million in the bank domestically you've already hit domestically you're at like a hundred and you're at like a hundred and nine let's just call it 110 million dom- domestically and that's that's in that's before weekend two that's that's as of oh. as of yesterday's grosses, as of yesterday as of uh, up so to seven Thursday days grosses. in theaters, hundred ten million dollars. It's pretty doesn't it's pretty suck. Good. Yeah, doesn't suck. You Especially know? in this climate, uh, of of course. And it'll go up this week because what I mean, what's coming out like Arrival's yeah. coming out, which is a, in fairness a similar audience because it's sci- it's science fiction, but of such a vastly different tone of a movie that I don't think you're going to get too much taken away. You know, at the very least, at the very least, this weekend going in, Doctor Strange at the very least should do about forty. At the I very think, least, I think it I retains mean, it did, number one spot. Sure. It's between that and or. Uh, what was the uh, animated movie? Trolls. That was number two. Trolls, Trolls coming out this week. No, it was out last weekend as well. That Trolls was the number not two movie. Beat this thing out. Uh, well, oh, you yeah. know, no, we'll I, I mean, it's going to be interesting. At the very least, Doctor Strange does forty million. I don't see it doing less than forty, hmm. because you know you're talking. It does eighty five. I would have said probably thirty would be what that, I would. That's a big drop. That'd be a steep drop. I mean, because you got to go eighty five million dollars, sixty percent, which would be on par and normal brings you down to about 40-ish. 
Okay. So oh, that's what I was trying to do. I was doing yeah. bad math. I was like 60% drop seems reasonable. Yeah. To me. So I don't see it going much lower than 40. It could do a little bit higher, but you're right. The arrival is coming up, but I think the arrival is, is, is gearing towards a little bit older of an audience. Yeah. That's the difference is arrival is very much hard science fiction. Yeah, and that does not have as much of a mass appeal, but it's got Amy Adams and it's got Jeremy Renner absolutely. and they've done a good they've done a good job marketing. Absolutely. It. And I also think though that the kids who may have missed out on Doctor Strange last weekend, they're gonna go get to see it this weekend. Or the repeat oh, after Buzz favorite or, uh, anatomy of a movie is Jeff Graham. He's in that boat. He's like, I gotta go see Doctor Strange. He's never in that boat. <laughs> Marissa actually was talking with her and she says she's gonna try to see it this weekend too. So I, I you know that. the the, the it should have a decent holdover for its second week, regardless of arrival. Now, when Fantastic Beasts comes out, I think sort of all bets are off. I don't. It's not going to go away, but you know. Yeah, but to Zach's point, they're going to take over screens. Yeah, in terms yeah. of take IMAX. Over, yeah, those. Screens, yeah, IMAXs absolutely. will go away. Um, so your your repeat viewership will go down at that yeah. point because again, it's a it's another magic movie. So you're hitting your sa- the same. Leviosa. I think I'm, we- I'm wearing yeah, a Harry Potter t-shirt right yeah, now. It's, so. it's a and it's a highly anticipated one. And like I said, I, I think with a multiplexes in the premium large format, there are multiple screens. So I think that Disney could have some strength to at least retain one of two screens, perhaps against that. Well, but it's a quicker it's movie. Well. I, I, you know, believe it or not, for a superhero movie, I thought this was pretty quick. Hour and fifty five minutes. I, th- I thought the pacing was so fine. Yeah, and, and I, so I think that'll help, too, because if it was like two and a half hours, they might be like, eh, can we fit it? Can we not? But I think they, I'll no, find No, under two is like you can get in extra screenings at that point, yeah. especially like the difference between that and like a two and a half hour movie. That's yes. an extra four. So, like that's an extra screening a day yeah. for every four movies you so, show. You know, and we are going into Thanksgiving period, so kids are going to be off. There's going to be a lot of choices. I don't think that Doctor Strange completely falls off a cliff. It'll it'll hang in there. It'll remain in the top five for for, for a little while to come. Um, and again, I think that's because really good word of mouth is pushing it. They're really good reviews. When you get really well good reviews, it's sort of kind of people go, oh, it's a ninety. Wow, ninety percent is pretty. What's high. it at international right now? Like three thirty. Two hundred and forty. Oh, in all in. All like oh, to, uh, full Global. worldwide. 350 million. 350. So, like, I stand by what my original... My original projection for this movie was 750 final numbers. And I think 7 to 750 is pretty much where it's going to wind up. I don't... I think because of the competition over the next two months, it's going to see a fall off. Because, like, you got... Fantastic Beasts, which is a Harry Potter movie, mm-hmm. it's gonna just, just that's gonna just roll over everything in its path until Star Wars comes out and rolls over everything in its path. Yeah. Um, well, there so. you go. Um, we've kind of already talked about it, but um, any other kind of projections you have for um, sequels? Whether specifically the Avengers, obviously it's gonna. We've talked about the Infinity Stones. We've talked. They've, about they've already confirmed uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and. Um, uh, Wong, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Benedict. Uh, no, uh, what's his? Is it Benedict Wong? His actual name. His actual um, the name. actor's name. Uh, it, it was something con- extra confusing. Uh, Let's see, yeah, Benedict Wong as yeah. Wong. Yeah. Uh, 
they they're both confirmed for Infinity War, which is the first of the two Avengers sequels. Right. I would put my money on Doctor Strange being in the second one as well. No one knows any details about what that's going to be, but if it's uh, the new Avengers plotline that or or secret even Secret Invasion, like so a couple people have theorized. Uh, there's, it's very likely that Doctor Strange will be part of that story as well. Uh, I think we do get a sequel. I yeah, think, I think well, it's he's earned it. Benedict Cumberbatch is a big enough name that he'll command the numbers that'll come back. It's made enough in a week that it, it's no, reasonable it's... to give it a sequel. And the storylines that they set up with Baron Mordo is so much stronger than the storyline they had in this movie that I think there's a hunger to see it as well. I I think you don't set so much time for setup for them not to think that there'll be an individual movie. You know, unless the movie, again, if if it just tanked, okay? But you don't spend so much time and detail into educating your audience and making it good for them not to have a singular movie. It's already hinted that it'll be in Ragnarok. We know he's going to be in um, the Avengers movie. It, it only makes sense with the amount of money that it's made that he's going to get his own individual movie. My guess is, is they probably signed Cumberbatch to be at least four movies. Yeah, they probably signed to four. Maybe, yeah, maybe I would expect three five. Singular, deal. you know, for him to show up as Doctor Strange. It's good for him. Yeah. Well, uh, I've been staring at this damn cake for too long, and I fucking want it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think that about does it for us. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. As always, we really appreciate it. Um, even though we uh, like, we you know, we took a magical journey of our own. We, we switched around things, but um, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Let us know your guys' thoughts. I'm sure there's things that we didn't hit. Um, again, for that. Uh, I encourage you guys to listen to Marvel Movie News. And if for some reason we didn't cover it on both, just write comments to both and we'll figure it out and we'll yeah. answer them. <laughs> you know, um, this is a whole universe and with different dimensions. Maybe we answered it just in a different dimension. You could be releasing <laughs> to the wrong podcast. In another reality, <laughs> we covered the stuff that you wanted to talk about. That's so right. just jump over to that one. Yeah. That's right. The, the, Sling ring. The in. apple's half eaten. Um, all right, uh, Dimitri, where can people follow you? At dmovies1701. Uh, uh, you guys can find me on Twitter and Instagram at that Zach Wilson, T H A T Z A C H W I L S O N. And also on Popcorn Talk uh, on uh, Tuesdays as uh, the Voice of Doom on Marvel Movie News. And Sundays, uh, which is a new time for Sci-Fi Weekly, which is a, ho- a show that I uh, that I host. Uh, this Sunday uh, at 4 p.m., we're going to be talking about uh, the sci- a Sci-Fi fans' review of Arrival, um, as well as the uh, the news from the week of science fiction. There you go. Speaking of Arrival, that's uh, on our agenda. We've talked a lot of, be- uh, of uh, yeah, Fantastic Beasts, um, so we'll be doing that. Uh, Rogue One, we'll definitely be covering that. Um, also, we haven't necessarily covered every single MCU uh, movie out there, but we've done quite a few. Uh, Captain America, the most recent one besides this one. So definitely check those out um, if you're a fan. Uh, lots lots in the archives for you to guys, for you guys to check out. So um, you, know, you don't have to watch every single one of our episodes, just the movies that you guys do watch. Sure. And uh, as always, the biggest favor you can do for any one of us is not only listen, but uh, tell a friend that we're out there. That's uh, and honestly, as cheesy as that may sound, it's amazing. So we'll see you guys next time on another Anatomy of Movie. 
From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the rest of the Anatomy of a Movie staff, we would like to thank you for listening and subscribing to the show. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email or tweet us. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been Anatomy of a Movie.